Welcome back, podcast patrons, episode 163 of Leave the Pin Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dan, joined on tonight's episode by my one and only co-host, Scott, and we have a great interview lined up for you. We've got Mr. Zane Lewis, mini tour pro out of North Carolina. We'll talk a bit about how he grew up on a golf course that his family owned, uh, how he ended up at a historical black college and university. Uh, and also how he qualified through local qualifying stages of the U.S. Open. So Zane plays his mini tour schedule in and around uh, North Carolina. He's based just just slightly outside of Pinehurst, uh, the affable Pinehurst Resort, which uh, coincidentally is the first time that I ever met him. And Zane and I met through Rich at Gas House Golf. Now, if you haven't checked out Gas House Golf yet, you need to. Um, they make just some great out there styles, which if you're that type of person that wants to be bold and be seen on the course, Gas House Golf is for you, right? Look great and hit the ball an absolute mile, which Zane does. Um, I get to play with Zane twice. First time, like I said, was with Rich at the Cradle uh, and a few other guys out there, which was an absolute blast. And then just recently, a few weeks ago, I got to play with Zane at Pinehurst number three, along with both of my two sons, which leads to part of our discussion in this episode of, of how much Zane gives back to the youth and to other kids uh, in and around the golf space, which is just, you know, fantastic. Like there's, there's no one out there that I think is more laid back and more relaxed than Zane, but there's this deep internal passion for the game, which just drives him. He's got this amazing desire. And I'm going to tell you this, if you don't come out of this episode rooting for this man, uh, there's, there's probably something wrong with you, but check this out. He is a, a great guest. I'm proud to call him a good friend and, uh, it should be an interesting listen for you all. Lead the podcast with Dan and Scott. Hottest golf podcast, whether you like it or not. Friends from back in the day when they still played at the park. 7 a.m. P.M. special where they played after dark. From the birds to the focus to the losses and the win. Welcome podcast, patron to the show. Lead the pin, get busy golfing or get busy dying. Hottest golf podcast and I swear I ain't lying. Yeah. If you're listening to Leave the Pin Podcast, which I know you are, you know we got to talk about Eagles and Arrows. In 2022, Eagles and Arrows is going in a completely different direction with some great customizable gear. They are doing patch hats that are unlike anything else out there in the market. Anything that you can think of, anything that you want to design and put on a hat, Grant at Eagles and Arrows has got you. Now, they're not going away from all their tried and true traditional stuff. The super soft t-shirts, the premium Cabretta leather gloves, the valuable pouches, everything that you know of and love for the quality of Eagles and Arrows is still available. This is just a new entry into the marketplace. I'm going to tell you what, Grant does it better than anybody else out there. Go to Eagles and Arrows CO on Instagram. That's Eagles and Arrows Co. On Instagram, DM Grant, or go to www.eaglesandarrows.com. Send them a message. Any type of product, big or small, any type of job that you need done, with patches. Grant has got you. You want to get stuff for a team. You want to get stuff for a tournament you're running, maybe for a buddy's trip. The turnaround times, astronomically quick. Grant's quality is honestly to die for. There's no one out there that cares more about the product than him. As always, we couldn't be happier to have him as a sponsor, as well as the entire Eagles and Arrows brand. So live life, love golf, get to Eagles and Arrows, Get whatever you need. 
pronto. Historic day on Leave the Pin podcast. Scott and I finally figured out how to get both of us into an interview. And what better guest uh, than one of my favorite people to play golf with, tour pro Mr. Zane Lewis. Zane, what's going on? How's it going, gentlemen? Good to be here. Glad to have you. Now, uh, Zane, you getting hit with the snow like like Scott and I are. Scott's got no internet. He just got done doing his driveway. It took all four of my family members and I about an hour and a half to do hours. What's the situation look like down by you? We've got about an inch, and it is quickly melting. Okay. So that's not enough to cause chaos down there, is it? No. Had a couple power flickers, but it's come back on in the next five minutes every time. Very cool. Scott, how about how about your day today so far? So we probably got about, I'd say, three inches. Uh, the problem with it quickly melting here is that the quickly melting will be short-lived, and at some point it will turn into, as I described to Dan earlier, a hockey rink. Um, so I had to go out and clear as much of the heavy slush off my driveway as possible uh, so we don't, like, die tomorrow morning when we try and go outside. <laughs> One of the joys of living in the Northeast. Uh, Zane, where, where, do we, where do we find you today? What part of North Carolina? In Sanford, North Carolina, just okay. about 25 minutes from Pinehurst. Yes, sir. And I know that area well. You and I have gotten the chance to, to play twice together now, which is, uh, which is pretty cool. And one of the things I always enjoy playing with you is just kind of your laid back demeanor and personality you feel that that helps you out on the course during these tour events oh most definitely um i mean if you get bent out of shape it's just gonna it's gonna throw the next five or six holes off um you just gotta move on you know i hit the shot you gotta live with it and keep on chugging for sure uh give the listeners a little bit of your background in golf and then we'll kind of uh kind of expand from there if you don't mind all right. Um, well, growing up, I had a really, um, I was blessed with the opportunity. My, my dad actually owned a golf course from about the age of eight until I was maybe a sophomore in high school. Um, I always kind of dabbled in golf, but I was, I was really soul set on baseball. I played on two travel teams every year, played school ball. Um, but once you get to high school, you know, baseball players, they, they pretty much fall out of trees. Um, they're everywhere. Everybody can hit, throw, all that. And I had to make the decision once I got to high school, you know, they're in the same season. And I just saw a much bigger opportunity for myself having a free golf course in my backyard. Uh, I, I thought if I didn't pursue golf, you know, I'm just, I'm wasting a, a really big opportunity there. So once I got to high school, I switched over to golf solely. Um, Hung up the glove, hung up the cleats, and uh, been been pushing it ever since. Um, where uh, where was this golf course located, is, and is it still operational? It is, and it's actually um, much much better now. I don't have a problem saying that. You know, my dad, mm. and the two guys he owned it with, they didn't really have the financial means to to turn it into a top golf course, and it's it's in Sanford. It's actually about a mile from Tobacco Road. It's right off a of US-1 highway. It's called Quail Ridge Golf Course. And about three years ago, um, some new, new management took over. There's about 10 or 12 people in it now, actually. 
guys from Florida, guys from Pinehurst, guys from Sanford, Raleigh, all that. And they, they've really amped it up and turned it into a pretty top, top facility. Um, um, yeah, Quail Ridge Golf Course in Sanford, very operational still doing, doing really well. Is that like, uh, do you, do you go back and play that every now and again? Or, uh, that, that, that's fascinating to me. I, I do. Um, you know, it's a little hard to swallow, but I, growing up playing it for free, never having to pay for range balls. I could go in there and grab some snacks for free. I, I mean, I was really blessed having my dad own that place. Um, but yeah, I, I still go back. Um, I've got a, what they call a loyalty membership now. So no matter what the price jacks up to, I only pay $30 no matter when or what time I go out there. So I do, I do still stop in at Quail Ridge from time to time. That's uh, uh, Scott. That was like my exact question. I mean, you know, I, I, any, any time there's a tournament, like a PGA tour event or whatever, corn Ferry tour event at a private course or a public course, I always feel like, the members there kind of have that feeling of being a stranger in their own home. You ever kind of get those vibes when you go back there since you, you grew up? I mean, it's like, you know, that, that place holds so much history to you. It's, it's part of your childhood. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I've, it might be a bit of a stretch, but I've probably played Quail Ridge about 50,000 times in my life. (laughs) You know, going in now and not seeing, you know, my dad or either of his two partners or any of the the, the older gentlemen that I that I grew up playing with, it's a little different. But I've also kind of imprinted myself there a little bit to where the new people, they still know who I am. They'll still say, how's it going, Zane? Good to see you out here again. Um, but but there is that bit of strangerness to where. um you know, you got all these new workers and new people that are that are taken that have taken over. And, um, you know, I just got to keep. Keep showing myself out there and mm. keep supporting because, I, like I said, it is it is really amped up and turned into a really nice golf course. Now, you uh, you told me this story the last time we had played, and I thought this was super interesting. Scott, I don't know if you know this story. I'm going to let Zane explain it and, and tell it. But can you give us the, the background into the college that you chose and, and how you ended up there? Uh, so I went to North Carolina Central in, in Durham, North Carolina. It was about five, ten minutes from Duke. It is an HBCU college, which is a historically black college or university. Um, at the time, I, I waited really, really late to start emailing coaches because I, I, I didn't really play in many big junior golf tournaments. And not many college coaches are looking at school golf now, nowadays. And... Um, my sophomore year of high school, I, I finished fifth in states, and I didn't receive a single interest letter from any college. Uh, I kept pushing on. I made it to states my junior year, finished maybe like top 30, nothing special. Um, still no interest letters. So 
at the end of my junior year, I pretty much just started sending my golf resume to any and every college in in the North Carolina area, a little bit of South Carolina, and it, it there was a free application for all North Carolina state colleges, like state-owned colleges. And my mom said, get on that, send 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 a resume to every single one of these schools. The applications are free. And North Carolina Central was the first college that actually, well, there were, there were multiple colleges that reached back out, but a lot of them, hey, we've already got our team set through 2021, and this is in 2013, 2014. We've already got our team set and, you know, thanks for the email, but we're good. And North Carolina Central was the first one, first division one college that really showed me a lot of interest. Um, I think maybe two or three days after I emailed Coach Hinton, he was at one of my high school golf matches in Sanford. He watched me play maybe three holes. And I think I went bogey par birdie. And I guess those three holes were enough for him. And within a week, I had an offer from him. And um, I, I jumped at it. I mean, Division One golf was was the goal. And and he, he saw something in me. So I, I, I took a chance and I I ran with it. And it was a it was a really good experience. And I, I would not change it. Was there any sort of adjustment period or kind of culture shock going to an HBCU and playing, you know, division one golf there? Uh, most definitely. Uh, like I said, I knew, I knew nothing about this college. Um, I, I just, I knew it was division one. I really didn't do my research and the week of, they call it the week of welcome, which was orientation week. Um, it was definitely a big shock. But I'm I'm kind of the type that can just um, not change myself to blend in, but I I think that I can fit in with just about any crowd. Um, I've just got that. Um, I'm, I'm I can make a friend with a brick wall. I get I get that <laughs> from, from, and um, you know it 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 might have taken me a week, but with within the first. I'd say three or four months of being at Central, I, I would say I knew half the campus. It was it was um, it was an adjustment, but it was a quick adjustment, and and I I don't think that I had any problem, kind of just fitting in and being just being me. Uh, let me let me ask a, a follow up and, and going back to what you said, um, I, I think you said Coach Hinton. Coach Hinton, yes, sir. David Hinton. Yeah, did did uh, you guys ever have a conversation about what it was um, that he saw in those three holes or, or other conversations he maybe had? Like, did, did he maybe from that, you know, those conversations, those three holes, realize, like, this person can fit in anywhere, he's got a good swing, you know, he would fit in here, or it really was just out of the blue for you? You know, I, I really... I really think it was just kind of out of the blue. Um, gotcha. When I got there, there were only two other freshmen that came in with me, and we had a very small team. So maybe his pickings were slim, and that's that's why he 
he chose me, but, um, you know, I'm very thankful for it. And Coach Hinton was, was really good in my, in my progress and growth once I got to school. Zane, I'm looking over stats, and you talked about your progression from, you know, like ninth grade year through senior year in high school. I'm looking over stats in college, and again, your progression just keeps on increasing, increasing, increasing to the point when you're a senior, your stroke average is 74.28. That's at the time sets the single best season scoring record in uh, NCCU history. Get two runner-up finishes that year at the Hampton University Invitational and the Black College Golf Coaches Association Invitational. Shoot a 66, uh, shoot 68 that year as well. You hold the single-round record at, at NCCU. At what point in time are you saying to yourself, maybe professional golf is the answer for me? Does that just, like... Is that always the goal? You're a freshman coming in, like that's the goal, or or does 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 something click during a round somewhere where you're like, you know what, I can play with these big boys. I I went four under par today. I'm just trying to get into that headspace of of when you have this realization, like I am good enough, I'm confident enough to be a professional golfer. Um, I I gotta say it was always the goal. Um, because if you, if you ask my dad what I wanted to be when I was 12 years old, I wanted to play for the Boston Red Sox. (laughs) Professional sport has always been the goal. It's always been what I've strived for. It's always what, what I've been dedicated to. I've, um, I've never really wanted to to have an office job. I've, I've never wanted to go work for someone else. I've always kind of wanted to to pave my own way and and nobody else is going to do it for me but me um so i think i don't think that there was ever really any big moment that was just like okay yes i can do this i think within myself i always knew that i was capable of doing it i just had to really put myself to it there's a great article um i don't know if you've ever seen this uh last april as you work your way through local qualifying the U.S. Open from the News Observer. And basically the headline is, uh, former Duke maintenance worker and waiter starts journey to qualify for the U.S. Open. Can you give us a little bit of insight in your headspace during that time as you're saying to yourself, okay, here's my goal this year. I'm going to try to qualify for the U.S. Open. I make it through local qualifying. How amazing does that feel? Oh man, it's uh, it's still very surreal that I was able to do that, and I think I probably know that article word for word now. <laughs> I think I think from the time that I made it through the local until I got to Dallas for the sectional, I think I looked at that article every single day, just because it was it was so neat to me. Um, you know, at, at one time, if you searched 2021 U.S. Open local qualifying on Google. I I popped up in the top four articles and I was right below Phil Mickelson talking about how Phil was either going to take his exemption or not take his exemption. And it was just, I mean, it was really, really surreal for me to be able to do that and to, to accomplish that. Um, it was definitely, definitely. During that run there, as you're making your way through, through Dallas and stuff, um, 
because you know, like I know with Scott and I, we we hardly ever get to play golf. Um, Scott, are you still? Have you been counting the days that you haven't played? I lost count. Uh, I mean, I guess. Did, are we counting the uh, the simulator round that we played? No, that does not count. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's going on like 160 days now, probably. All right. So, yeah. and, and obviously, us being in the Northeast, we don't get to play much. So, during that time, as as you prep for local qualifying for the U.S. Open, are you working on something specific in your swing, or are you? just kind of trying to get yourself into a good mindset to just go out and score. Like, is there something technical you're working on at that time? I think it was more of the mindset just because I, I had a really good stretch of golf from like the beginning of April until Dallas. And I, Dallas wasn't, it wasn't bad. Um, but I, I don't think there was anything technically I was working on. I think I was just trying to, stay in the groove and get my mind right i was still playing in many tour tournaments leading up to and actually the day before i flew out to dallas i actually won my first professional golf tournament at lonnie pool uh, shot 66 one by two in a one-day event um so that was a huge momentum boost um i mean i'm sleeping on a win right before i fly to dallas for the u.s open sectional it was just like I was on the highest of highs and um, just really trying to stay within myself, not get psyched out because I'm the, I'm the guy that is going to look at, you know, the T-sheet. I want to see all those names. I want to I know the people that I'm going up against. And I'm looking at 20 PGA Tour players, 30 Corn Ferry Tour guys, and I'm just I'm really trying not to psych myself out. And just stay in the moment, just keep pushing towards what I was trying to do. And some of those guys probably have PGA Tour wins and stuff like that too. Oh, that, that does have to be intimidating. But co- coming off a win, like a uh, confidence meters on, you know, a hundred. So it's big interesting. Big. It's an interesting way to balance it out. Oh, it it was it was definitely hard. I mean, my first day there for a practice round, I was hitting on the range beside Graham McDowell. I mean, it was, it was really kind of, it was tough for me to stay within myself and not get starstruck. Like, holy cow, like these are the guys I've been watching on TV for the last 10, 15 years. Um, and it was just both ends of the spectrum. You had, you had Mike Weir there. And then I also had the 14 year old, um, Lev. I don't know if y'all read about Lev, but Lev was a 14 year old. I'm, I'm, pretty sure he's from belgium don't don't maybe don't quote me on that i'm not 100 percent sure but it was just like i had all this other stuff going on around me and it was just um my main goal was to just stay within myself don't get psyched out you know i'm i'm here just like these guys are you know they had to do the same thing maybe not the pga tour guys they don't have to go through the local but i'm I'm essentially I'm in the same position as every single one of these 116 other golfers that were at this sectional. So I just really tried to stay within myself and not just get completely starstruck by it all. 
Let me ask you this, because that's that's a real interesting point about playing your own game, staying within yourself, not getting starstruck. Now, when I played with you, you know, I had that same mindset. And I was like, I'm just going to do my own thing out here. It's fine. It's no big deal. But then I saw some of the things that you did out on a golf course. And I was just completely blown away. Like, I don't know if you remember, and maybe you don't, but this shot will stick with me for the rest of my life. You flew it over the green off a hard pan lie on number one, right? You had this dead to rights. Yeah. yeah, Dead to rights lie in pine needles to a green that's running away from you to a pin that's set on a knob where everything six inches right of the pin falls off. And you stuck this to like within an inch on a one hop and stop. And I was like, I am trying my best to just do my own thing. But I was like, God damn, you could have given me a thousand cracks at that. And there's no way I would have done it. So my question is, is this after that long rant, um, are you able to just go out there and block everything else out when, like you said, you've got, you know, a master's champ there, a Ryder Cup hero right next to you. Like, does that stuff play in to your psyche maybe without you even noticing it? Uh, most definitely. I mean, it as we always can say, it's much easier said than done. Um, and it, it was it's a battle the entire time. Um, I mean, just trying... You know, I, I, I catch myself not even hitting range balls and just watching Graham stripe them. And, and, you know, it's hard to just come back to yourself and worry about yourself and not get so wrapped up in who this guy is or what this guy's done or, you know, yada, yada. I mean, I'm on that same path. They, they had their journey to get there and I'm on I'm on my journey to get there. And I. I, I can't let other people's accomplishments, other people's abilities. Um, you know, one of the one of the biggest things that Coach Hinton taught me in college was to learn the controllables and the uncontrollables. You know, I can't I can't control what Graham shoots. I can't control what um, Mike Weir shoots. I can't control what Travis Vick shoots. Um, I cannot control what any other person does. I can't control whether my ball hits off a tree and goes into the water or my ball hits off the tree and hit, comes on the green. You know, the only things that I'm able to control is my mindset, how I react to situations, um, how I address situations. So, I mean, it is it's a constant battle with yourself, but that's the whole game of golf. And mm-hmm. you just have to you have to find certain things that that get you out of that get you out of being wrapped up in other people, and you have to find things that that keep you going and just you know brush things off the shoulder and move on. You know, you hit a bad shot, okay, move on. You hit it to two inches, all right, move on. You still got to hit another shot. You still got to keep going. So, I mean. It is much easier said than done, but I think that I did a pretty good job of not not worrying so much about who was there or who was watching. Um, 
I think I did a really good job of focusing on myself and getting the absolute most out of it that I could. Scott, you still get nervous when you play rounds of golf with people you don't know? Always, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah I was going to say the same way. So, I mean, that's that's awesome. And Zane, I'm sure it's like anything, that the more times that you're put in that situation, the more times you're able to experience it, kind of the easier and easier it becomes. Mm, easier, maybe, maybe not so much easier, but it is... Um you learn more about yourself and you learn how to deal with it a little better. Um, you know, it, it, it still hasn't gotten easy for me because I mean, I, I'd be lying to you if I said I still didn't get first tee jitters. I didn't get, well, I more so have first green jitters than I do first tee jitters. Um, usually my first putt is, is a little shaky. Um, so um, it, it doesn't get easier, but you just find better ways to deal with it. And, and um, yeah. Scott, one of the things that I, I like, always suffer from, and, and you know, I'm not a, a good player. We're not, we're not good players. But sometimes with the people that we play with, I was like, oh, well, yeah, Dan's, Dan's a golfer. You know, Dan does a golf podcast or Dan knows tour pros. And, and you get like this pressure heaped on you. Like, oh, this pressure to perform. And I'm like, oh God, if I don't shoot in the seventies today, like everyone thinks I'm a fraud. Yeah, exactly. Well, that, that's one of the things like we'll go out, we'll play. And, you know, we usually wait a couple holes before we mention like, Hey, by the way, we, we do this golf podcast. Like, <laughs> We're not we're not giving out the stickers on the first tee. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. That's for sure. Um, Zane, we're, you not, know, we're not playing with Graham McDowell and Mike Weir, so no, no, no I can not. imagine what that's like. No, we're playing with like Billy McDowell and Mike Smith. That's <laughs> you know. Ow. Uh, yeah. Um, so Zane, here's here's one of the things that impressed impresses me so much uh, about you as a, not only a golfer but a person. And I feel like that's your your ability. I feel like you have a very old soul. You know, I mean, you're you're a young guy, young dude. I remember the first time I saw you coming down on the cradle. I was like, oh, I can get behind this guy's vibe. Like, you know, I think we're gonna hit it off. And uh, when I when I met you, maybe it's a bit of that, you know, the the South in you, but it was yes, sir. And I was like, oh wow, like like yeah, like I really kind of vibe with this guy. And then going out and playing you know, with you and, and both my sons at Pinehurst. Um, and I told you how my oldest son started to copy some of your mannerisms and some of the things you did around the green, which for me was was amazing, right? Because I don't care where he gets, like, positive affirmation from and, and to do positive things out there as long as he picks it up. And, and same thing, like, he picked up something from you along with that vibe as well. Um is that is that important to you to to kind of give back to younger golfers now that you've ascended to the level that you're at? Oh, most definitely. Um, you know, like I said, it took me a little while to really commit myself to golf. I always dabbled in it, but I mean, I, I have an older brother who also golfs. He was um, he was actually a national champion club golfer at nc state he won the national championship his senior year individually and um a lot of my mannerisms i picked up from him you know um besides the the throwing clubs and whatnot 
he's a little more emotional on the golf course than I am, but <laughs> he also is a, he's a really, really hard worker, you know, um, I hope he doesn't listen to this, but my dad always told me that I have more talent in my pinky finger than my older brother does <laughs> whole body, but he works circles around me. And that's why he's still just as good, if not better than I am, you know? So I, I think it's important to pass that down. And I mean, it would just be selfish to keep that stuff to myself. You know, um, someone else, someone else gifted me with those, um, with those attributes and those, you know, those simple little ticks that keep me going. So I, I don't, I don't, see any reason to keep it a secret and i think it's very important because especially nowadays i mean everyone needs a little help here and there um and i i, I love to to share what the knowledge that i have hmm. very cool yeah that's that's very very cool um what's it what's it like growing up in a i mean in my opinion the home of american golf the hotbed of american golf on a golf course, basically. Yeah, yeah no less. <laughs> it's it's been it's been a pleasure. It's been a a privilege. Um, I wish, I mean, I I don't wish to change anything. Um, it's something that I can't control. But I do wish that I took golf a little more serious growing up. Um, because um, like I said, baseball baseball was it. I mean, I. I would go out in the backyard and smack balls around on the golf course, but I never really, I never really took the time to practice. I never really took the time to, to really figure out like, what's the best way to do this? What's the best way to score? And, um, you know, I had a huge opportunity with, with, I mean, we lived on the sixth fairway. If I was 10 years old, out there chipping and putting every single night if i was 15 years old out there on the range every single morning you know maybe things would be different but i think things everything happens for a reason and again it just comes back to you know that's my journey i mean that's that's what i've got to deal with i didn't take it as serious in high school um my brother was a senior when i was a freshman and it my freshman year, I was really driven because I wanted to beat my older brother. And once he left, our team wasn't, you know, our team wasn't stellar. And I think I kind of got into the mindset of, uh, I'm good enough. I don't need to do anything else. I'm, I'm good enough. I'm, I'm number one on the team. And, you know, that's not really the right mindset. Um, you know, you can always get better. This game is never going to be perfected it's never going to be even remotely close to perfected um so i think i i wish i would have just given it a little more time a little more um a little more thought growing up but i think i've made up some ground in the last couple of years as a pro i've i've really started to learn a lot about myself and what i'm capable of and I mean, it's exciting. I'm, I'm super excited for this year. Um, I'll be going back to Duke again for the U.S. Open local qualifier. I'll still be grinding away on the mini tours. And hopefully, if I have the financial means this year, I would really like to try Q School. Uh, I would like to see if I can push it to the next step. 
Mm. So my next question is, and this is a personal one. Scott's never been to Pinehurst yet. Explain to him as a local, right? As somebody that, that, I mean, literally, I could be like, hey, I'm at Pinehurst. And you'd be like, I'll be there in 20 minutes. Explain to him the greatness of that area. Oh, and Scott, you're missing out. That's all I got to say. You got you to get down here. Um, I mean, it's just, um, it's oozing with history. It's, it's, it's packed with, you know, top quality golf courses, top quality facilities. I mean, even the worst golf course in Pinehurst is going to be probably still one of your top 10 courses you've ever played. Any of them, you know, you can go to Longleaf, you can go to Mid Pines, you can go to Talamore, you can actually go to the Pinehurst Resort. You can even go down the road to Whispering Pines. Like it just, um, it's incredible. I mean, you, I don't think that you can have a bad day in Pinehurst. There's just so much to do. There's there's something for everyone, you know. I mean, even people that aren't great golfers, everyone loves putt-putt. I mean, Thistle-Do is, is one of a kind. The Cradle mm-hmm. is one of a kind. Um, there's just so much that comes with it, and there's just so much. I mean, there's just so many things to do in Pinehurst, golf related, non-golf related. It's, I mean, it's just, it's incredible. So it, it's interesting that you, you mentioned that. So I, I live around Westchester, New York. I used to live in Westchester. I live a little further north now. And where I used to live, it, you know, we were surrounded by all these great historic classic golf courses, but you can't get on any of them, um, which is it sounds like it's exactly the opposite down in Pinehurst where, you know, you could wake up and 20 minutes from now, you could, you know, if you're lucky, you know, get a tea time at one of these incredible courses. So that, that sounds really cool. Yeah. Any of them. I mean, there, I don't, that I can think of except, mm, actually, I don't even think Pine Needles is private. I don't think that there is a single private golf course in Pinehurst. I mean, if, Again, yes, some of them are quite expensive, but if you have the means and, and I mean, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. I've played Pinehurst number two one time and it was the day before my dad got remarried. And I mean, I, I tipped it out to the U.S. Open Tees with my brother and shot 81 <laughs> and still had the time of my life. I mean, I, I putted greens, I putted balls off the green into the bunker. I found 10 or 20 waste waste areas and you still you just you can't you can't have a bad day. I mean you're walking in the footsteps of so many greats. I mean you're standing on the 18th green and you you can almost hear the roars and and you can just feel the atmosphere of what that place brings. You had you had told me that story about tipping it out before we had played number two uh, last time I was down there for Thanksgiving. And so my boys who played with me were looking for those markers. And and I'm telling you, they are in places where there's they, no they, way in the world that you would think this could be a tee box. Yeah. And 
you know, you play from like, you know, the typical men's tees where, which is where we played from. And it went, I don't know, it was like 60, I think it was just under 6,500 yards, maybe 6,550 or something like that. And then every single one of these U.S. Open markers is 75 to 100 yards back, but not straight back, off on an angle. And it's, it's like some of them don't even look like they belong to the hole that they're on. It's it's absolutely insane. And I can second putting balls off greens. Um, I missed a green on five by about two feet from the spot my caddy told me to hit it to, and it ended up rolling down a hill, and I had 100 yards back up to that same green. Believe it. Um, it it's, it's just an incredible place. I mean, I still, we, so we didn't take caddies. Uh, me and my brother walked and my dad and his buddy rode. And I mean, I still remember, so I birdied number two on number two. That was the highlight of my day. Um, started off hot. And then you get to some greens and you hit an eight iron that lands in the middle of the green. And like you said, it rolls 40 yards off the green, 80 yards off the green. It's just, it's, it's diabolical. I mean, I'm I'm kind of with John Daly on if I don't have to play that place again, you know I've I've had my fun on it because um, it it will it will tear you up. Yeah, I feel like number number four, like out of the top courses there, like number four is the one you could play over and over and over again and have fun. Number two is one of those things like, all right, hey. I played it once this trip. Maybe I'll play it again next year, but I really don't want to go back to back days on it because it's it's unless you're into like sadomasochism and and you like getting beat up, um, it's just one of those things where hey, once and done, it's cool. I've gotten experience. I know what it's like now, uh, but it's 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 brutal. It literally makes you feel like you can't play golf sometimes. It really does. It really does. It humbles you very quickly. So what is uh what does 2022 look like for you, tournament wise, goal wise? Um, you know I I haven't really sat down and and mapped a schedule out just yet. Um, you know the end of last year was a little rough for me. Once I got back from Dallas, I had I had about a month, a month and a half where I played in eight to ten tournaments and didn't cash a single check um i think i was just a little a little down about not about my performance in dallas because i I mean i shot 74 72 which was four over even we played a par 70 course and a par 72 course and once i got back I, i don't know if i felt like i had missed my opportunity because um, literally the day after I qualified for the U.S. Open local, I quit my job. I, I told my boss, you know, I, this is the opportunity I've been waiting on. I, I have to, I have to run with it. I have to take the chance. I can't, I can't work four or five days a week and, and expect to get any better. Um, unless I'm just burning the candle at both ends and just wearing myself thin. Um, so I have recently gone back to work. Um, you know, in the last month, I've gone back to the steakhouse here in Sanford, um, just to kind of get my money back up and get prepared for this season. Um, I don't, I don't really have a definite schedule. 
I mean, I, I do know that I will be going back to Duke for the U.S. Open local. Um, I'll still be. I'll still be prepping myself in these little mini tour events, one, two, three days. Um, again, I'd, I'd really like to do Q school this year if my game is right, if my money's right. Um, my goals, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to make it through the U.S. Open local again. That's a big goal. Um, I know that I can do it. I know the course very well. Um, but I, I mean, I'm kind of just, um, it sounds bad in my fourth year as a pro, but I'm kind of just winging it a little bit. Um, maybe third year, actually, 19, 20, no, fourth year. Yeah, this will be my fourth year as a pro. Um, I'm, I'm winging it a little bit just because I'm, there's a little bit of uncertainty in my financial means at the moment. Um, you know, in the next month that could change in the next two months that could change. Um, I do have my eyes set on my first tournament of the year being February 27th, um, in Georgia. Um, but other than that, I'm kind of just, um, I'm waiting for some of these other mini tour schedules to come out. Um, kind of just waiting to see where my game's at because I've, I think I've only played maybe three times this year. I know that might sound like a lot to you guys, but that's very, very <laughs> minimal for me. Um, I've kind of just been taking a little mental break, um, kind of reset, regroup, and and then just get back to it full force once the season starts. Go ahead, Scott. I was going to say, I mean, what, what, however it ends up working out for you, I mean, you know, best of luck. I mean, I, I, again, the, 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 I just think about like being able to, you know, set aside like having a regular job and go out and do that, like, because that's what your dream is. I mean, that, that's me is incredible. And, you know, I, nothing but the best, best of luck to you. I appreciate it. Zane, if you don't mind me asking, and, and you don't have to answer if you don't want, what what is uh like what's a mini tour to- tournament cost? Um, so for a one day, a one day tournament's going to cost about two fifty. Um, a two day event, anywhere between like four and five hundred, and if I'm going to be playing a lot of three days, um. Three days are closer to a thousand, uh, twelve hundred, something like that. I played in, I played in two G Pro events late in the year last year, and one of them was eleven ninety five, and the other one was twelve fifty. And two days in a cut. If you don't make the cut, you don't get a check. And the first one I shot. I believe I shot 74, 72, or 73, 72, and seven under was the cut for for two days. Seven under wow. cut, and then um, my second one, I I I just I was mentally out of it. Um, I don't I don't like blaming things on other people, but I I played with two guys who were. 42 over and 27 over through 36 holes. Okay, so that, that honestly, that was going to be my that, next question. Do you get guys like Scott and I who are just like, 
yo, what are you doing this weekend, Scott? I don't know. I got some extra cash laying around. Like, let's go jump in and become tour pros. It, it's, like, very, it's very rare, but yes, it does happen. And You get the guy who's, like, competitive in the club championship who thinks, because it's at my course, I can, you know, go out and do what I normally do. Oh, I, I knew I was in for a treat whenever <laughs> on the first tee box, my man topped it straight into the water and immediately had a reload ball in his back pocket. And I, I, I just kind of believe he made a nine on the first hole. Um, I think he was 19 over through nine holes. I mean, it was just. And that just that just takes me back to the uncontrollables and controllables. You know, I couldn't control that I got paired with these guys. I couldn't control that they might not have been the caliber golfers that this tour was looking for. But I could control how I, I how I acted, and I did not act accordingly. I mean, I I was been out of shape. I was I I, I was being a child, to say the least. Um, so. I mean, yes, it does happen, but it's very rare. And, you know, everybody has those days. But, I mean, you can you can kind of tell the difference between somebody just having a bad day or somebody that doesn't quite belong, maybe. And I, and I mean that in the in the nicest way possible. You know, if I if I couldn't break. Let's say if I couldn't break seventy five. There's no way in hell I'm putting up twelve hundred dollars to to play golf. Just there's no way. Um, Does a guy like that say anything to you during the round? Like, is he apologetic? Is he a guy that's just oh, I never play this bad? I I I don't really know because I I, I kind of kept my distance. Um, I mean. The guy was lift cleaning and placing it in the rough. Like uh, he just, he, he wasn't. I, I just don't. I don't think that he knew what he was getting himself into. Right. Right. And um, you know, I, I can't be mad at the guy because I mean, we all start somewhere, you know. But maybe like a a, a club championship or something like that at your course is where to start, not a. Like the G Pro Tour is a pretty top tour in North and South Carolina. I mean, it's one of the top top tours, right up there with um, Swing Thought Tour. In my opinion, you know, Swing Thought Tour travels throughout the United States, but G Pro is is extremely big in North and South Carolina. Um, I mean, I feel like that's if I like if Scott and I had a match and I, I you know I beat him like you know seven and six. And all of a sudden, I was like, "Oh, right, let's go!" Like I'm, ready. I'm mini tour pro ready. Yeah, it's um, like I said, you know, everybody starts somewhere, but I think you kind of need to know where to start. You don't just jump straight into the lion's den, per se. I mean, and I again, I didn't play well. I got bent out of shape. I let, I let other people's actions i suppose uh kind of steer me in the wrong direction and and you know that that's that was a learning experience for me um i mean you're gonna have days like that you're gonna have you're gonna get paired with people that might not be 
as good as you are. And again, you got to do your own thing. You got to stay in your own little world. You got to focus on you. You can't be worried about what's this guy doing over in the woods. What's he, I mean, he's picking his ball up in the rough. Oh, okay. He's, he's not, he's not even a factor in my game, you know, and I, and I let it, I let it really tear me apart. I mean, that was a really bad showing for me. I think I shot maybe like 76, 78 or something like that. Um, wasn't even close to the cut. Um, so a learning experience there. Very, very much a learning experience and, and more so not even golf related. Just a learning experience in how to how to act to those things, how to how to process what's what's going on and just staying staying in my zone. Yeah, not getting hung up in someone else's and not getting hung up in someone else's drama. You know, that's right. Zane, before uh, before we get you out of here, do you have any other kind of mini tour stories that you can share? You know, maybe maybe some other funny ones or so. I know my my one buddy uh, who plays out in Latino America tour has just some crazy stories out there. And even though that's a PGA Tour sanctioned tour, um, you still get some of these guys like you know that you had mentioned that just kind of like don't belong out there what's what's some of the other crazy things that you've seen out on tour the last few years well this um so this wasn't quite on tour but you didn't you mentioned my my nice little shot out of the pine straw at pinehurst but you forgot to tell scott about my drive on the 16th hole i believe 15th hole <laughs> Whenever I topped it right down the cart path, it hit a, it hit like one like of one the, of the standards that that was holding the rope. Yes, mm. one post, and it came directly back right beside our cart. I mean, I probably hit that drive two yards, but it it went about a hundred, but then it came back about ninety eight. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't mention that one. Ball speed on that one. <laughs> but you know, you know what's funny about that is that I mean, no, like, look, no matter what, and I don't even care if you're, you know, Tiger Woods, fourteen-time major winner, you're going to hit bad shots. Like, you know, I, I think it's funny. I think Ian Poulter, who is, you know unbeknownst to me why but one of my favorite golfers probably my favorite golfer of all time literally every year leads the tour in shanks and he does it like four or five times a year now this is a guy that's won tens of millions of dollars over the course of his lifetime right Ryder cup hero like you can't even mention Ryder cup without thinking about ian poulter and you just google ian poulter shanks and they're all over the place so the game the game humbles us like you said before all the time. Now, to be fair, you did say, "Hey, I'm gonna try to hit this little low cut up, you know, get oh, it past the bunker low. there." <laughs> yeah, it, it was low. It certainly was. But then, you know, like if Scott or I did that, or your typical amateur did that, and we teed another one up, well, we would have popped it up. You know, it's always the opposite, right? If you hit one dead left, the next one you know is going right. You stepped up and pounded one like 330 up the gut and had maybe 20 yards 
into the hole. So there's a little bit of difference between you hitting a bad shot and being able to recollect yourself and guys like us hitting a bad shot and what we do next. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's uh, that's a big thing that I've been working on is just, you know, moving on. Good or bad, you got to move on. You got to you got to get to the next shot, you got to get to the next putt. Um, even even though it's not in a tournament atmosphere, I mean, you got to you got to practice the way that you want to play and you know, I mean, you just got to you got to shake it off. I mean, like as always, it's easier said than done. But I mean, it 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 makes the game a little more easier when you're not bent out of shape. Yeah, keeping yourself in a calm headspace. That's right. You know, just laugh it off, laugh it off, and move on. Scott, anything else that you've got? Nah, no. Nah, that was. I mean, it's really interesting, Zane. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, Zane, as always, I mean, I'll always appreciate your insight, always appreciate the answers and the, you know, the the thoughtful, uh, insightful answers you give and, you know, completely, and I told you this last time, but but completely uh, am above and beyond appreciative of the words of advice you've given to my kids as well. So that's, uh, you know, I think that just goes to show the type of person you are inside and outside of golf. Um, all right, people. So... Thanks to Zane, Scotto, as always. Thank you, my friend. And either get busy golfing or get busy dying. You good. Thank you, guys. Thanks a lot, man. That was awesome. Yeah.